0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world.
1: When death was arrested, think about that. That's when my life began, when death was arrested, that he offers his grace so freely to us that we are made alive in Christ. That's what we're going to talk about today Happy Easter, a day when uh, kids can eat as much candy as they would like, right? Where dads can steal their candy. The Cadbury eggs are my, you know, go-to. But the moment, you know, that you hear kids scream when dad dips into their baskets. But a day when we can dress up. I mean, look at you guys, you look beautiful. But Easter, Resurrection Sunday, what it's really about is the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Christ, our Savior, the one who came to save the world. And I think when we think about the resurrection sometimes, when we process that in our heads, it can be maybe hard to imagine, right? When we think about the resurrection of somebody actually who has died and has come back to life... It's like hard to imagine. I mean, think about this. Some 2,000 years ago, a guy came to earth, right? Was born of a virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, went to the cross, was crucified, died, was placed in a grave, in a tomb. And then three days later, breath filled his lungs and he came back to life. His name is Jesus. And that can be hard for us sometimes to imagine and think through and be like, man, that's crazy. I mean, imagine for a minute if you were there. Imagine if you were in that moment, if you you actually witnessed it, if you actually got to see the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and and you saw a dead man who came out of the tomb alive. What, What would you think about that person? What would you believe? How would you react we've been walking through a series called the essentials why truth matters talking about truth talking about what is truth why does it matter what does the world tell us is true if we look at our culture today, it tells us so many different things about truth that you can create your own truth or make your own truth or, or this is true or that's true. And, and we walk through like, man, what is truth? And does it actually even matter? And why does it matter? And so what we're doing is we're taking the Apostles' Creed, the creed, one of the oldest creeds, and we're, we're kind of laying it over Scripture, using it as a guide. It's not part of the Bible. It's not part of the Scriptures. But it's, it's a, a thing that was written to guide and a tool that's used to help new converts, to to help people understand what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What does it mean? What's the gospel mean? And so we're using this creed and we've declared that we believe in God, that there is one God in three co-equal and co-eternal persons who is the creator of all things, supremely powerful above all and we've declared that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God who became a fully or became fully human a fully human being god and man conceived by the holy spirit and born of the virgin mary we've declared that Jesus Christ suffered that he was crucified and that he was buried and he died as we talked about friday and today we get to celebrate the truth that he rose from the dead. Amen? We get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he didn't just stay in the grave, that he actually rose from the dead and gives us eternal life and hope. And there are the, these are the essential teachings or doctrines of the Christian faith that we have unpacked and sought to embrace so far. The thing is, if, if someone doesn't believe these things... If you're sitting out here today and you say, I, I, don't, I don't believe these things, then they don't believe in the Christian faith. You don't actually believe in the Christian faith if you don't believe that the resurrection was real, if you don't believe these things that we've just talked about. And this morning, we pick back up where we left off, and our next phrase or our next line of the creed is this, on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He descended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. What we're going to find out today is that Jesus' victory over death and the grave is life-changing. That it's life-changing for us, right? That it's not just that he died, but but the fact that he rose from the dead, it's life-changing. It alters how we feel, how we think. It alters our eternity. It, 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 it changes us. His victory impacts everything. That Jesus' victory impacts everything. And the truth is, his victory has a dramatic and amazing impact and consequences for all of our lives. For everyone here today, that it... Has consequences, and you may be asking, what, "What does Jesus' victory mean for me? What does it mean for me?" See, this is the question that the Apostle Paul addresses in, in his comments to the church in the city of Corinth as he's he's writing to them. The question is is set up by Paul, telling the church that he preached to them the things that were of first importance. Right, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scripture that he was buried, and that he raised from the dead on the third day according to the scripture in 1 Corinthians fifteen three through 4 But here's the thing, some were denying that he actually raised from the dead. Some were denying the resurrection in this day, and so Paul answers that by, by saying, if there is no resurrection from the dead, this whole thing is a lie, and the Christian faith is irrelevant. That, that if we don't believe that, if the, the resurrection didn't happen and, and none of this actually happened, then, then it's all a lie. We might as well pack our bags. We might as well go home. It's not true. It's in vain. And there's nothing for us here. We're still going to die. We're still going to perish. So Paul turns to show the positive reality or outcome of the truth of Jesus' resurrection, his victory from the dead, and what that means for us. What we see today is three results of Jesus' victory and and what that means for us, for you and me today. And the first one we see is that Jesus' victory means all believers will be made alive, that all believers will be made alive. If you have your Bibles or you can read along on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's where we'll be. Um, And we're picking up in verse 20. So verse 20, verse 20 uh, through 22 says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has has come also the resurrection of the dead. And then it says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. See, Paul here makes it very clear that Christ did raise from the dead. That the resurrection was a real thing, that, that we can bank on it, that we can understand that it's truth. Right? And how does he get to this? How, how does he know this? If we look at the verses just before this in, in verse 4 through 8, he gives us a, a multitude of eyewitness accounts. that People that actually saw it, witnessed it. They were eyewitnesses to this account. People that actually seen him. And he says, he appeared to, to Cephas, he, and then the twelve, then 500 brothers at one time, then James, and then the apostles. And then what does he say? He says, he actually appeared to me, to Paul that I've seen him, that I'm an eyewitness of him. And he makes it very clear that the resurrection was real. And because of this, in verse 22, all who are in Christ will also be made alive. Leon Morris writes this. He says, he, Paul, uses the perfect tense, has been raised, as we see in verse 4, with full meaning. Not only did Christ rise on a certain day in history, but he continues permanently in his character as the risen Lord. Paul uses a metaphor in verse 20 when he says the first fruits of those um, who have fallen asleep, right? What does he mean by that? The first fruits. When he says first fruits in the Old Testament, they, they would take um, the first fruits of their harvest and they would give it to the Lord as, as basically an offering to the Lord, guaranteeing or, or basically securing that the rest of the harvest would come. They would give it up as an offering. Paul's point here is that since God raised Jesus from the dead, he will also raise those who have fallen asleep as well. And I love how he says fallen asleep, right? When, when you talk about somebody who, who's gone on, who's, who's died, we don't usually say, hey, they fall, fell asleep, right? But, but he says fallen asleep, meaning that they will rise again one day with Christ when he returns. That it's only temporary. Then he uses this typology in verse 21 through 22, he says this For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Here's the truth. We are all in this room represented by one of these individuals. No matter who you are, me included. We are all represented by one of these individuals, whether it's Adam or Christ. See, being represented by something or someone is not foreign to us. It happens all the time. So we're we're represented by by politicians in our our government, whether it's in the United States or or it's in our state. We're we're represented by um, communities. We're represented by ethnicities. We're represented by uh, maybe our culture. We're represented by a sports team. Even though they may not be good, God bless the lions, they're going to get better. Don't worry. But we're all represented by by something, right? It's not new to us. Here's what this means for you and I. We are either represented by Adam and his death, or we're represented in Christ in his life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Adam, who brought sin into the world, who now we are all born with a sin nature. Every one of us are born into this world with a sin nature. I don't have to teach my kids how to be bad. They just have it, right? And so we're all born into this sin nature. And so we um, recognize that we are Adam's sons and daughters, right? That that he was our father before. And so we're represented by Adam. And then we're either give our life to Christ and now we're represented by Christ or in Christ as a new creation in his life. But the thing is, is that we are represented by one of those today. See, to be in Christ means that we've repented of our sin. We We're all sinners and deserve God's wrath. We deserve God's judgment of death. We're like our our first father, Adam, as I said, and dead in our trespasses and sins, as it says in Ephesians 2. But here's the good news. If we repent which means to acknowledge or turn from our sin, turn from evil, and we repent and accept God's free gift of salvation, of of his mercy and his grace, and we we move into that. He he will forgive us. He'll cleanse us. He'll make us new. He restores us. See, when we believe that he died in our place for our sins and he was raised from the dead on the third day, it says that we're considered in Christ. Christ. That we are in Christ. See, Jesus' victory becomes our victory if we believe in him. That's the gospel, right? My, my prayer is that, that no matter what, every time I come up here, I would always point back to the gospel because that's why we're here. So this is the gospel. Consider this. like If, if we actually believe this, if we, if, only if we believe this, is it relevant for us? Like, if we don't believe that this happened, then then we might as well go home. Only if we actually believe this is it actually relevant for our lives and we can be in Christ. And the thing is, is that we believe. We believe that Jesus was crucified for our sins, that, that he died and that he rose again on the third day. His victory over Satan, sin, and the grave is good news for all who believe in him. And that's the good news, right? That, that's the gospel. That if we give our lives to Christ, we follow him, we turn from our evil way, we repent, we accept the free gift of salvation, then we can be saved and in Christ. I love the story that Alyssa shared in the 10 o'clock that, man, she, she thought she had to clean her life up. Before she came to Christ, she thought, man, I, I, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this. And, and before I come to God, before I come to Christ, I got to look good. I got to look clean. That's not the truth. The truth is, is that we don't have to do anything. There's nothing that we can do. That we go before God as we are who we are simply because he saved us and he's given us a free gift of salvation. And so we don't clean up our lives. He meets us where we are. And that is the gospel that good news is offered to each one of us for us to repent and believe on Jesus. My question for you is simply this. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Jesus' victory means all believers will be made alive. The second thing we see is this. Jesus' victory means all enemies will be defeated. That's good news, right? If you look in verse 23 through 26, it says this, "But each in his own order. Christ the first fruit again. then at His coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. Then he delivers. Um, then he delivers the kingdom of, uh, to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hmm. So as we just saw this before, for believers, for for those that are in Christ, right? It's resurrection, we're made alive. But what about death itself? What what does Jesus' victory over death and, and the resurrection mean about death as a whole. Like, like, what does it mean for death? Paul's answer. Right here, he answers this question. He's been telling the Corinthians that in Christ shall all be made alive, right? And the question that comes from this is when? When When will they may be made alive? Two stages are indicated here in verse 23. By the term, each in his own order, he says, or, or each in their own turn. The first stage is what we celebrate today. It's Easter. It's the resurrection. We celebrate that, right? And if we think about it, it, it's a past event for a believer, but it's actually a future event in the coming of Christ, in the second coming, right? We look forward to the future, a future day when Jesus Christ will return and then heaven and earth will be restored, right? See, with that second coming, then he says, then comes the end Look where it says in verse 24, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father. Or to God the Father. But what happens in between this time? What happens in between Easter and the second coming? We see it right here. It says that Christ is destroying every rule and every authority and power. He's literally destroying and defeating death, right? Right? If we look at the word destroy in uh, verse 24 and 26, it has a sense of causing something to to come to an end or actually no longer existing. He's literally wiping it out. He's destroying it. He's defeating it. He's literally winning. Jesus is taking all the power away from Satan's sin and death. And I love how David puts it in Psalm 110. He says this in verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This is what Paul is referring to in verse 25 where he says this, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. How many of you guys would love to put your enemies as a footstool? I don't know about you, but I'm pretty competitive I'm pretty like competitive. No matter what it is, really. If you don't like to win, I mean, there's there's a problem. Okay. (laughs) Nobody likes to lose, right? But I'm pretty competitive, and so whether I'm playing you in Uno or like golf or or basketball, I'm pretty competitive, and so I like to win. And so growing up, I think I was that was bred into me because I grew up on a farm with three brothers and a sister, and us four brothers. um, I don't even want to tell you about all the competitions we had, but. It was just, it was hard, man. We would try to make each other a footstool. I would love to put my brother as a footstool. Because it's humiliating, right? But what he's doing is he's showing here how God is subjugating all things to Christ or or bringing them under control. He's dominating over them, right? He's dominating The enemy, even death. As Paul says in Philippians 2.10, he says this, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, the powerful reality is that today we celebrate that even though death is still present, even though death is still real, right? Like we talked about on Friday that it carries away and, and sometimes we fear that death, that even though death is real and at present, death is going to die. The reality and good news is that Jesus has come and given death the first blow through his resurrection. And then we know the promise we see in Revelation is that the f- future day is coming when this, when he says he, is, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. So here's the thing, you and I as believers can look forward to that day. But the only way we can look forward to that day is if we have faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in Him alone. That if we actually have faith in Christ, we can look forward to the day when he comes again. But I can't just give you the good news. Here's the but. The sad reality is, if you're not a believer of Jesus Christ and you don't believe this, then eternal death and separation from God's love and mercy will be your experience. And and that's the truth about it. But you don't have to live in that. That's the hard truth, right? Right? you'll find yourself experiencing eternal death. That's hard to swallow, but it's real. That's a real truth. But we can have forgiveness. For those of us who are believers, Jesus' victory means all enemies will be defeated. And that's the good news, that even death will be defeated. But more than just death being destroyed, Jesus' resurrection means the day is coming when all things are reconciled and made right with God. If you look in verse 27 and 28 it says for God has put all things in subjection under his feet again. But when it says all things are put in subjection it is plain that he is expected or accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him then the son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. The reality is that Jesus' victory means that there will be an absolute and perfect reconciliation between heaven and earth. See, verses twenty seven through twenty eight talk about how all things will submit to Christ as Lord and King. Christ himself, not, not because he is a lesser deity, but because he has fully completed his mission as the Redeemer, brings all things into submission to the Father. Not because he's lesser. One writer puts it this way, to understand Paul, we will return to the analogy of a Roman emperor who sends out his top military general to squash a rebellion in the empire. Raised in our comments on verse twenty, uh, verse twenty-four. While the general is out executing the war, he is surrounded by the symbols and instruments of power, and it is he who serves as the physical expression of the power of the empire in his battle against the rebels. Once he has accomplished his mission, however, he is expected to return to Rome, acknowledge that he is in submission to the emperor, and show that he does not intend to use the power. Of his armies to take over the empire by force. He does not cease to be a general or to have great power and influence, but the mission for which he was commissioned has been accomplished. And in a sense, he becomes somewhat like a sword which has been returned to its sheath. As a general engaged against the enemies of the empire, he exercised shock and awe inspiring power. Once the mission is accomplished, there is no need for him to continue to wield such power. It was, in theory at least, all about reasserting the authority, dominion, and glory of the empire and emperor, not about gaining power for himself. See, all things will be reconciled to God, even Christ. All things will be made right then we will experience the glory and the goodness of God as it's fully made known to all things, even to us. See, this is the reality of the resurrection. This is the reality of what we celebrate today, that God will be all in all, what it says. That God will be all in all. As the band comes, I want to read something from a pastor in in North Africa named Augustine. He wrote in his book, The City of God. He wrote this. Who can measure the happiness of heaven where no evil at all can touch us? No good will be out of reach where life is to be one long, loud extolling God. Who will be all in all? Where there will be no weariness to call for rest, no need to call for toil, no place for any energy but praise, God will be the source of every satisfaction more than any heart can rightly crave, more than life and health, food and wealth, glory and honor, peace in every good. So that God, as St. Paul said, may be all in all. He will be the consumption of all our desiring, the object of our unending vision, of our unlessening love, of our unwearying praise. And in this gift of vision, this response of love, this piano praise, all alike will share as all will share in everlasting life. I don't know about you, but Church, this is what we can experience. This is the invitation that God gives us. His victory through the resurrection impacts everything for us, right? And one day, all things will be reconciled to God. And this is the invitation that he gives us. The truth of the gospel, again. That if we put our faith and trust in him, in him alone, as our Lord and Savior, then we can experience life eternal with him, that he will be God over all. And we can join in that. My question is, is do you believe this truth? Do you actually believe the truth? Do you actually have faith in this? Do Do you put your trust in it? Do you believe what it says here? Do you believe in the resurrection? See, Christ's death and resurrection are real, and we celebrate that today. It's an amazing thing that gives us hope and gives us eternal life. And one day, he's going to return. And what a glorious day that will be! What an incredible day that will be. And I look forward to that day. I hope you do too. We're going to sing an amazing song called What He's Done. And as you sing this song, I just want to say like, man, examine your heart. As you think about what he's done for you and for me. Would you stand as I pray and we continue to worship? Father God, thank you. Lord, as we sing about what you've done, as we think about what you've done for us. Lord, we can't help but be thankful for your son. Your son that that came to earth, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, was crucified, a brutal crucifixion, died, gave his life, was placed in a grave, Father, but the story doesn't end there. Lord, you rose from the dead and we can have hope in that, that it's truth. Father God, I pray that if there's one here today that doesn't know you, that they wouldn't leave this place without coming to a relationship with Jesus Christ, with putting their faith and trust in you, Lord, and you alone. That today's the day. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son. We pray all this in your name. Amen.